You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And welcome to the Bruce White Blue CFL podcast. My name is Oz Davis. I am the host of this show. And joining me as always is my co-host Joe Pritchard. Joe, is it June yet? I mean, what the hell are we doing here? Well, it was 86 degrees here last Wednesday. And then we had snow on for, on over the weekend. So Yeah, that's what I thought. No, it's not June yet. Okay. June <laughs> All right, so joining us on this podcast today is a, as we were talking about before the show, a frequently appearing guest on the News Right and Blue, Josh Smith of the long-running Hamilton Tiger-Cat-centric podcast, Podcini. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I, I sometimes forget that you guys are American, so when you say 86 degrees in my head, I'm like, okay, what is that in Celsius? Like the... The, the real world likes you is not this stupid Fahrenheit thing. And then I know it's high. I know it's high. And it's like, and I was thinking the same thing we had, like not to sidetrack this, you know, 30 seconds in, but I went to the Canadian Premier League, opened their season last weekend. I was at the game in Hamilton. It was 27 degrees. I'm out in shorts. And then they had the game last night and I'm bundled up in winter clothing because it's three degrees. So it's like, <laughs> it was cold. I hate the spring. Um, being in Wisconsin, obviously, Joe, you're like, you have the same sort of weather that we do up here in Canada, where it's just like, you think you're out of it, but you're not. And then there's that one spell of cold. And it's just like, uh, like you say, is it June yet? It's like, God, I, I would kill just for May, quite frankly, because I'm, I I just, I don't want to wear pants. I want to wear shorts. I don't want to wear socks. Like I want to wear t-shirts. Like, oh, I'm just sick of it. I kill for April, honestly, because (laughs) it's been red freezing for about, a month and then it went to summer and we missed like the whole chunk of between. <laughs> I was just going to say, Josh, that 86 is Celsius. We're actually broadcasting live <laughs> from Venus. Okay. The light side say. of Venus. <laughs> right. For this. Uh, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's very hard to keep the computer together when everything else is, is molten uh, metal. But uh, we're, we're managing to keep it together here. Um, I was going to ask you, uh, Josh, I think I've asked you this before, but what do you do in the CFL offseason? I guess Premier League just started. So, I mean, aside from that, what what do you follow any anything else? Do you just default to hockey? You know what? This is going to lose me a lot of points with your Canadian audience. I'm not a hockey guy. Uh, oh, wow. I watched hockey since I, I used to watch it quite a bit before that 05 lockout that cost them the season. Right. And then I started to trickle back in a few years before they went on, they locked them out again, like 2012, 2013. And after that, I was just like, ah, you know what? I'm done. Um, I was, I watch very little hockey NFL, mostly like obviously the NFL season keeps going until February. So I picked up on that. I watched a little bit of basketball here and there and baseball season starts. Like I keep up, we try to keep up with everything. I've been really into tennis over the last like Mm. year. I don't know why, but like the French opens coming up in in about a month. So I'm super excited about that. But yeah, during the, during the off season, it's just kind of like recharging the batteries. Like I know that there's all the uh, like USFL, XFL and all that stuff. I just kind of like getting away from football for a bit. Like it's nice to, I'm starting to get the itch right now. It's like, okay, training camp for the CFL is about a month away. So it's like, I'm starting to ramp up, but it's nice to just kind of get away from, from football for a bit. It's why I've never really been, I tried to watch those, the other leagues. Like I tried to watch some XFL and I just was like, my interest just wasn't there. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's just recharging the batteries mostly in the off season, getting away from uh, football for a bit and then getting all excited once, you know, draft is about to come up and then, before we know it, the season will be here and then we're full bore for six months. Right. So it was, it was a fun off season for me, but I'm kind of ready to get back into it. Right. Yeah. Interesting that you brought up the XFL USFL thing, because those leagues and the, and the relative lack of success of both of them are really pointing out two things. Is that like, one is most Americans, believe it or not, are not that beholden to football. We're not that beholden to NFL football after all. And those that are, are only beholden to NFL football. 
You know, like they'd rather watch the free agency season than an XFL game, you know? So uh, I, I don't blame you for that. And, and also your story about hockey is basically every American baseball fan yep. from the nineties, right? Yeah. From the nineties. Right. <laughs> exactly. Cause I distinctly remember that. And then you had the whole, Hey, surprise, all those guys were on steroids. And that was well, it for me. That was the thing me. is with, with any sport, you lose a championship and like, I'm not, like I know we there was no yeah. Grey Cup in 2020, but yeah. the pandemic was mm-hmm. that that was a whole feels like a like a pocket universe to what we we deal with normally, right? Mm-hmm. But if you if the players the owners can't get together in a sport and play a championship game, I think that that's what like I mean the the baseball strike in '94 is kind of what led to the rise yeah. of the NFL, really. Like baseball was mm-hmm. the game, and then all of a sudden something needed to take over, and you know the NBA had Michael Jordan, so that was popular for a few years, but that's kind of in my opinion, I don't know if the numbers back this up. It's just kind of anecdotal, right? I just think that's when the NFL kind of took charge it down South. And, and you're right about when, like, I've always said that about like you American audiences and like NFL fans, like as much as you love football, you love, you want to see the best and the best. And I know that we, we love the CFL and it's not necessarily the best and the best, but it's different. It's different than like, you know, you can be, you know, the same different or worse. The CFL, even if you don't think it's the top of the top, it's at least different enough where the game there's, there's, there's so many rule changes and, you know, 12 men and, and waggles and all that other 55 yards, all that other sorts of stuff. Like you, it's a different enough game where you can enjoy both for what they are. But if you're just giving me watered down version of something, I can see the best of the best play for five and a half months. It's really hard to kind of get invested in it. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. Okay. So, well, let's get into it. Uh, Josh, we were talking about this show beforehand, Joe and I, and um, Joe kind of threw down the gauntlet a little bit uh, without you knowing it. Uh, He started it a little bit. (laughs) All right, let's go. Here's the text. It says, uh, I can have Josh come on and we can dissect what went wrong with the time cats last year. So, how about it? Uh, would you like to do an autopsy? Uh, what happened to the 2022 Hamilton Tiger Cats as you see it? Well, I think the biggest issue with that team was twofold. It was quarterback play and turnovers, and the turnovers specifically from the quarterback. I mean, they start the season 0-4, and they it, I think it was something like Dane Evans had eight interceptions and like five lost fumbles. And they just couldn't get out of their own way. And, and they kept coughing like the game, the game against Calgary where they're leading like 30 to three at halftime and they lose and just, they just kept sabotaging themselves. And then you get to this last third of the season and it starts off with them absolutely demolishing Winnipeg. And you're thinking, Oh, these guys are about to go on a run. And they did. And then sneak into the playoffs and then they, they just didn't have it. I, I just think it was it, the turnovers killed them early in the year. And, and Evans just as the lone guy just d- proved he couldn't do it. He's more, and he, he said this himself more comfortable in that sort of two quarterback system. Now, obviously with the, the big change of quarterback, which I'm sure we'll get into when it comes to the tie cats that they've made that choice to move on and we'll see how that pans out. But last year was just, Everything that could go wrong did go wrong, especially early. I mean, they started a rookie in the Labor Day Classic because both their number ones and number two quarterback got hurt. Like, that's almost un- like I know it's a war of attrition when it comes to quarterback play in the CFL. And we often see teams start multiple quarterbacks in a season, but very rarely do we see a team, unless they're like Ottawa, for instance, a couple of years ago, like, or for the last couple of years, I mean, where they're by, by the, you know, week. 18 they're out of it so they're starting a raw rookie like Tyree Adams in the last week of the season because they got nothing to play for it's very rare mid-season a team that still has playoff aspirations that's still like even though they were terrible they were still clearly in the playoff hunt like Toronto's one Montreal was two but even Montreal wasn't that great they, they were kind you know I mean we saw the Owls they finished nine and nine they are what they were what they were they were good enough to be better than Hamilton but very rarely do you see a team have to start a, a rookie third string quarterback so quarterback play hurt the team turnovers hurt the team like everything else was fine ish, I guess. They they 
made some mistakes last off season, in my opinion, looking back on it, focusing way too heavily on the secondary they had, I remember going into training camp, they had seven guys, seven starting caliber players for six spots. If you count the Sam linebacker spot as a, as a secondary position, which most people do. And at that time, it's like, okay, well, who's the odd man out? And it ended up being Alden Darby, who they then traded, who they got from Winnipeg and then traded back to Winnipeg. They, I think they, they didn't address the offensive line. They didn't address the defensive line. They let good players walk away. Lorenzo Malden goes to Ottawa, leads the league in sacks, wins defensive player of the year. I just think that they, they, they botched the off season and then they, I'm not going to say they picked the wrong quarterback because I think that that's revisionist history. I think everyone last January, when they made the decision to go with Dane Evans, 98% of people were like, that's the right call. He's younger. He's proven it. He, he saved their bacon in the East final in 2021 without him. They don't make the great cup against Winnipeg and Hamilton. And then he also the year previous, like 2019 before the COVID all that's COVID stuff happened. He led that team for two thirds of the season three quarters of the season got them to the gray cup, their best record in franchise history. So everyone will, will look back and go, Oh, they should have kept Mazzoli. But anyone who said, like, if you look at tweets or you look at comments or anything like that, I guarantee you last January, they weren't saying Jeremiah over Dane. Everyone was very clearly in the Dane camp and it just didn't work out. And that's what happened. So now we move on, but that's a very long winded way of saying they just kind of stunk. <laughs> they just couldn't get it done. That's how that, that happens. <laughs> Yeah, and my mother has one bit. Uh, he he was enjoying the struggles of Hamilton throughout the season. I'm sure you I'm sure you heard that a few times. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so, they, so they made the big change at quarterback, bringing in Bo Levi Mitchell. Um, clearly, they think that they they've got enough in the tank for a run this year. Then that's what that move tells me. Oh, absolutely. I honestly, I look at the team, and Mike and I, my co-host on Pods Beauty, we've talked about this and, and you know obviously there's a little bias because of who we cheer for and the team we've I, I i we try to be more fair like it's, it's hard not to be biased is what i'm trying to say but we looked at this team and we've been doing on our show we've been doing breakdowns of the position groups and we just finished the offense and we'll be back next week and we're starting on the defense and you kind of just look at every position area if bo gets back to being he doesn't have to be 2016 bow, but if he can be 2018 bow, which was good enough to win a gray cup, good enough to win an MOP still the like pre shoulder injury, essentially bow. Right. This, right. this team, this team should be the favorites. Like I, I think Toronto has, like, I have my giant questions about Toronto, a quarterback Montreal. I think, there's been so much upheaval there, but they've, they've weathered that in, in past seasons, but I'm, I'm not a big Fajardo guy and Ottawa intrigues me, but I just look at Hamilton and you look, you look at running back and they go and get a guy like James Butler. He's, he's a proven commodity in this league. They got Bo. Their receiving core is, is if Duke keeps his head on his shoulders, that's a massive, that's a massive sign. It's, it's a massive question mark if he can do that. But if you can, you're getting a guy who at one point was considered the best receiver in this league. The offensive line, they address their left tackle issues when they go get Joel Figueroa. And you look at that offensive line, Mike is famous for, we go into a season, we do a season preview, we talk about where are, you, where are your concerns. And what he said since we started the show in 2015 is always offensive line and kicker. And this year going in, we just, we just did our offensive line preview and he was like, I have no questions about offensive line. You look down the line. It's, it's, if everyone stays healthy, that's a, that's a tremendous unit. You flip to the defensive side of the ball. They bring in Jameer Thurman. They bring in Chris Edwards. That'll be fun just because of if everyone remembers what happened in the 2020 or I guess after the 2021 East final with Chris Edwards and some Ticat fans, that'll be interesting. They bring back Simone. They still have Kyle Wilson. And then you look at the defensive line and it is deep. Dylan Wynn, Ted Laurent, Casey Sales, uh, Kwaku Botang, who they get in free agency. They get Jagarit Davis back. They still have Mason Bennett. Like this year, I think they went about free agency. And I think Bo had a lot to do with this because I think this is an all-in year, right? Like Grey Cup's back in Hamilton this year for the second time in three years, but it's a real Grey Cup, not like the half measure that they did in 2021 because of COVID. They go get Bo, 32 years old. So they upgrade, they, they think they upgrade a quarterback, but they get older. And they bring in some veteran guys. 
This to me is a team that is going to win it this year to end the drought this year, do it at home, do it in front of their fans. And I think Bo was the catalyst for all that. But you, then you just look at the roster and when you think of what, what do you think, like in Canadian football, you think you got to have good Canadians and you got to win the lines. And right now the Thai cats yeah. have pretty good Canadians. They got some great starting Canadians, guys like Brandon Revenberg, Tunde Delake, those guys. And you look at the offensive and defensive lines and Calgary's is probably better on offense. The pegs too. But if you say Hamilton's got the third best offensive line and probably the deepest defensive line, they're going to win a lot of football games this year. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but Josh, this sounds oh, to me what? like a really slippery way of avoiding the whole Bull Levy question. Okay, I don't know if you if you recall like last year, like like what happened last year because it was very bizarre. Um, this is what I've got. This these are my notes for lately because you brought up 2018. Since then, 2019, he gets injured, he misses games. Season's canceled in 2020, he misses games in 2021. He hints at retirement in the preseason 2022 and then starts the season for the stamps. The stamps start five and three. Okay. The last game boat finishes was a 41 to 40 loss to the BC lions who are red hot at that. No matter, he gets benched the next game. And in that downfall, in the last like three or four games that he started, there was that whole consensus among fans is just like, does he still have it? You know, is, is he still a viable starter in the CFL? It was the oddest thing because he was winning games against everybody except Winnipeg. And, and so in all seriousness, like how, good can this guy be are you expecting like a Peyton Manning for the for the Broncos thing where this guy is a shell but the rest of the team is so good they can carry no I don't think it's gonna be Manning's last season I also don't think it'll be like Manning's first season in Denver. like you look at you look at Peyton Denver Peyton Manning second in MVP voting his first year breaks right. the passing record and touchdown record his second year and then the injuries piled up. And obviously when the year they won the Super Bowl, he was along for the ride. I don't think Bo is going to be that. Don't get me wrong. I have questions about Bo. And when they made the deal and they made that deal eight days after their season ended at Montreal, like it was the Monday before the gray cup, like they, they lose to the owls in the East and West finals is when they announced that they've traded for his rights. And I was still, I'm not, I've never been a bow guy. I've always thought that his, his arrogance kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I know it rubbed Mike the wrong way. Like Mike has disliked this guy since the day he took over in Calgary, essentially. And now that he's a tiger cat, you kind of, it's like any player that you dislike, right? They come to your team and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, well now he's on my side. It's a little different. I, I have questions about like, yeah, you're right. He's been injured and or benched the last three seasons he hasn't looked like the guy who was one of the, it was the league's best quarterback for a four or five year stretch. There's, there's gigantic questions there. I do think though that the team around him while he gets his feet wet will help him not have to win games on his own. And that, 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 and the thing is Hamilton last year had atrocious quarterback play and went eight and 10. If they get league average quarterback play last year, like if Dane Evans is the sixth best quarterback and not the eighth best quarterback, they might have won the division. You know what I mean? Like it, Bo, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over and doesn't make those mistakes, which he's not, not 10, like I know in the last little while, again, due to injuries and due to how he's, he's getting up there in age, he has turned the ball over more, but I don't think he had the weapons in Calgary, at least not at the receiving position. Like Reggie Bagleton, in my opinion, is kind of a shell of who he used to be. Malik Henry's a good player, but that their Canadian receivers haven't been all that great. Richie and Sidani is not, I know he's not there anymore, but the, it, Calgary, because of how they operate with not signing free agents, they, they like to self-scout, bring guys up, didn't provide Bo in the last few years with the type of weapons that I think he comes to Hamilton. And like, again, with Duke, it's always a question of, can he keep his head on straight? But if he can, that's a guy who has top five in the league talent. Tim white has been in the top five or six in yardage. The last two seasons, he's entering a big year. Braylon Addison, if he comes back from the kit, like 
James Butler as a guy out of the backfield, who's a guy who can catch, who can run, and most importantly, is a great pass blocker. You're you're giving him the the things he needs to be successful, but those questions that you brought up still definitely remain. And until we see him play five, six, seven, ten games and stay healthy and look like not uh, the guy we saw last year. I think those questions are completely fair, but in looking at it because of his pedigree, he's coming in with a gigantic chip on his shoulder, probably for the first time since he started in Calgary, where he's, he's being questioned for the first time is, do you still have it for a guy that's got an ego? And I don't mean that in a negative way because professional, all professional athletes have egos, but for a guy who has that type of ego, who wants to be the best that he wants to go down as the greatest of all time. If the body can still do what the mind wants it to, he could be very successful here, but the questions will remain until we actually see him play. I could come back on your show week six and he's messed up his shoulder again. And Matthew Schultz is a starter and we're having a completely different conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I do suppose though, having Matthew Schultz there as the second option, isn't the worst situation it could be because the entire East has questions. Oh, the entire, especially a quarterback, right? Like there's, no stable okay ottawa is stable assuming that mazzoli is healthy but that's also a large assumption to make mm-hmm. same assumption hamilton it's like if healthy if healthy montreal's made it made a huge overhaul and then toronto is god only knows what that so having quarterback questions is kind of par for the course out east so it's not the it's not the place you want to be in but it's also not a place that your opponents aren't no, in, and in my opinion like if i'm gonna have if i'm gonna be one of those four teams with a question mark at quarterback i'd rather my question mark be someone who's going to the hall of fame versus a complete unknown in chad kelly a guy who had a great couple of years but there's you don't know if Cody Fajardo was Jonathan Jennings or if going to Montreal is his Anthony Calvillo moment, you know, like, and then you, ha- and like you mentioned with Mazzoli, like for someone who was incredibly durable through the first eight years of his career, that knee injury he suffered in 2019 began more injuries in 2021 because him and Dane swapped time because both of them kept getting hurt. And then last year, obviously, I mean, the injury last year, like that was, it was a dirty, cheap shot by Garrett Marino that would have taken anyone out, but he missed the rest of, and I was funny because I was looking up some Garrett Marino stuff when I was doing work for three down a couple weeks ago. And in the initial, oh, he, he's, Mazzoli heard it, like he, whatever it was, something with his knee, it wasn't a torn ACL, but it was something with his knee. It was like the time frame was like 10 to 12 weeks and there was hope that he'd come back by the end of the season and he never suited up again. So it was like, it was clearly much more serious than that. But it, like I said, to kind of wrap it up, like if I'm going to go into a season and go, I don't know about these guys. I think I'd feel the most confident in Bo right now. Maybe Chad Kelly turns into something, maybe for Joe, you know what I mean? Like all the other guys could, 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 and same with Bo, but just based on resume and, and the teams around them, I think I'd feel the most confident. Like if Bo went to Toronto, I'd be terrified of the Argos. You know what I mean? Like that team with a quarterback mm-hmm. of that caliber, if he's on his game, it's like, oh, geez, are they going to win 14, 15, 16 games? Are they going to repeat? You know what I mean? But you look at that, you you have a, the biggest, in my opinion, the biggest question mark in the league of quarterback in Toronto. I think I'd just rather be in the situation where we know what he can do at his peak. And if we can get 80% of that, I still think they're going to be a really dangerous team. Yeah. And then your backup plan isn't a bad one to have either. No, not at all. Like, I don't want, and I said this when they signed Matthew Schultz, because they re-signed him this year, but when they signed him for the first time last year, if he's got to start four games, that's great. I don't want him starting 12. If he's starting 12, we're kind of in trouble. But he's, he's. I think he showed in Hamilton's system with, Con, with Tommy Condell that he's a little more polished than he, he got a chance to show. Because in Montreal, he was in and out, in and out, in and out, yeah. and never really went with him. I think he could... I, like I've always liked him. Like I've liked him when he was with the Owls. I thought he was, he was a guy that it's like, okay, if he's given a shot, maybe he could be, you know, a mid range, you know, that five, six, seven type quarterback. Um, but yeah, he's not a guy I want to see starting double digit games, but if he's got a spot start for two or three, I'm okay with that. I even like Jamie Newman as your, as your third down quarterback. I even oh, yeah. think he's good. I, I think 
like it was funny. Mike and I were talking when we did our quarterbacks one. We were talking like, could Jamie is Jamie Newman? Could Jamie because of what the offense could be with Bo? Is Jamie Newman this year's Caleb Evans, where everyone's going to be on Twitter complaining about quarterback sneaks because Jamie Newman scores seventeen touchdowns? You know what I mean? Right, right. He's your secret fantasy pickup. <laughs> yeah, secret, exactly. Secret exactly. daily fantasy pickup. Yeah, if you want to save money on quarterback, some week. Yeah, he could be the he could be the vulture uh, of the league this year. Um, okay, so you talked before about uh, players that. Uh, tie cats fans should dislike but now like let's talk about that real big trans uh, transaction you guys made in the offseason chris edwards so uh have you assimilated this signing or is december 2021 too far back to think about and all is forgiven or how's that going there in hamilton well uh... <laughs> good start good start um, um look the past is the past but <laughs> but i mean he chris Edwards is a great player like i don't think there's any denying that I, sure. I don't think anyone would say that he's not a fantastic addition to the team because of what he can do on the field there there's going it's going to be interesting training camp preseason stuff early in the season to see how people react to him but the first time he knocks a guy's block off or takes a pick six back to the house, December, 2021 will be forgotten. Like, like, I I just think of guys in the past, like, especially Argos that come to him, like Ticats and Argos are swapping players all the time. I think at last count, there were, I think six former Ticats on the Argos and six former Argos on the Ticats. And that counts to Garrett Davis, who was a Ticat who went to the Argos and came back to the Ticats. Like those guys, they swap guys all the time. Adriano Belli came to Hamilton 20 some odd years ago from Toronto was public enemy. Number one came here, played the same way, was beloved by the fan base, goes back to Toronto and he's hated once again, Chad Owens came here and I can speak from experience here. I abhorred Chad Owens when he was with the Argos, he comes to Hamilton and he catches a touchdown in the opener. He catches the, the game ceiling touchdown on labor day and he's everyone's favorite player, mine included. So the things that, now, none of those guys, none of those guys ran to the stands and fist fought Tiger Cat fans. But also, when it comes to that, like I think the forgotten piece of that is the guys that caused that mayhem, a lot of Tiger Cat fans have disassociated from. Like, we recognize that, we recognize that players shouldn't go into the stands, but we also recognize that those guys were boneheads and that they don't like you, you don't, there are, Again, I hate, I know it's cliche, but there's bad fans in every fan base and you don't judge, you don't judge an entire fan base by, by one set of people. But, and, and that's a, that's a black mark on, on Ticat fandom, those guys doing that. But I think because, because those guys don't necessarily represent what the larger fan base represents, I feel like as if people will, like, I think there's going to be a chunk of people who don't even remember what Chris Edwards did. Just remember that, oh, there were Argo fans, but I don't know who did it. You know what I mean? The ones of us that are diehard that pay attention remember, but I mean, he didn't punch me in the face, so I got no beef with him. (laughs) All right. Well, that's (laughs) not not that that's a self-serving philosophy or anything. I mean, but that's (laughs) (laughs) okay. All right. Rah, rah, Chris Edwards. Okay, so uh, earlier in the show, you brought up the draft, which is coming up. Uh, I guess the NFL draft is next week, which means the CFL draft is the weekend after that. Because it's like May 1, 2, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, how much How much do you follow the draft? How much do you know about these guys? Uh, well, thankfully, I work with three guys that follow the draft and know more about it than anyone that I know, which is Justin Dunk, John Hodge, and JC Abbott, my colleagues at three down nation, those guys, JC, especially JC has been doing this for a real, like he, JC is a young guy, mid twenties, but he's been doing draft stuff for what feels like a decade now, really, really knowledgeable. So I kind of just lean on them Mm -hmm. for what I need to know. Mm -hmm. If I had any draft thoughts about the tie cats, the only thing, in looking at their roster, I would say that they need, I can't tell you a player, but I can tell you they should be going offensive line heavy. They don't have a ton of youth along the offensive line. Uh, they've, they've, they heard me. They traded 
Jesse Gibbon, who was the second overall pick in the 2019 draft to Edmonton to get David Beard, which is a trade anyone would make except Edmonton, apparently, because they wanted Gibbon instead of Beard and Beard's maybe the best center in the league. And they like uh, they had K. Okafor for many years trying to develop him into an offensive lineman. It didn't work. All their guys, like their Canadian guys, they have Coulter Woodmansey, who's a starter, but and is younger, first uh, first round pick in 2020, I believe. But there's not a lot of youth, not a lot of Canadian youth on that offensive line. Chris Van Zyl is about to turn 40. Brandon Revenberg is now in, I believe it's his eighth or ninth year in the league. He, it doesn't feel like he's been around that long, but he's been. I think he was their first pick in either 2015 or 2016 so he's been around a while not that not that offensive linemen can't play forever we we see that guys playing there i mean van zyle at 40 is kind of pushing it but we see guy plays into their mid and late 30s on the offensive line but i just think like they got kyle saxlid as a backup guy they got alex fontana as a backup guy those guys they're both i believe under 30 fontana might be 30 but to me they got to replenish that because because van zyle's not playing forever and you're going to need to get some developmental guys in there to then groom them to take over for some of these older guys who they might lose due to retirement or, or potentially changing teams. Because I think Revenberg, uh, Revenberg, Beard, and Woodmansey are all entering the final years of their contract. And I think Saxlid might have signed an extension for two years, but I, I'm not entirely sure. So they, they do have some needs along the offensive line. So if they were going to draft anybody early, especially, I'd say they're going to go offensive line. But if if you've ever watched the CFL draft, especially with the Ticats, figuring out what they're going to do is a kind of a fool's errand. <laughs> I always think they're going to go one way and they go another. Right. Like for years, I thought they were going to draft Canadian receivers. And next thing you know, they're drafting six linebackers. And I'm just like, this is very confusing. Yeah, you brought up Revenberg. And uh, it was one of the first drafts i followed with any sort of knowledge to it whatsoever which is still very very low but at least i had a sense of what was actually supposed to go on and reverberg was wasn't it wasn't in anybody's top nope. 10 and they're the high cats at like what two or three going with reverberg and everybody's like what traded up to well, get him clearly they knew what they were doing and they seem to do that more often than not where they're going off of they're not reading three down nation for their draft nope. for their, for their. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the Hamilton's Canadians scouting system led by Drew Alamang is one of the best in the league. Like they have found, you mentioned Brandon Revenberg was not on the scouting bureau's top 20 was no one's top 10 pick. They take him. I think you're right. I think it was third overall and they traded up to do, I, I think they were had the six or seventh pick that year traded up to take him. Uh, Sean Thomas Erlington is a guy who has been with this team. I think he's going into his seventh season with the team was an eighth round pick. You don't see eighth round picks play nearly a decade in this league, especially guys who those guys pick that late. Usually maybe they're special teamers. Sean Thomas Erlington has yeah. been a guy who's contributed on offense. He was, he was their lead tailback in 2019 for the first four games of the season before he got hurt. He's, if you if you type in if you go to Twitter and type in Ty Cat's gifts, he's one of the top ones that pops up doing the Ric Flair strut after scoring a touchdown against BC in 2018. Like he's he's been a guy that's been a, a solid contributor. They they hit more than they miss, especially when it comes to like mo if, if you're batting at like a 40% average with CFL draft picks still on still on your team three years later, you're doing a damn good job. Ty Cats are usually around 50%. So that that scouting department knows exactly what they're going to do. And I've questioned them in the past on moves they made and looked foolish afterwards. So I've just stopped doing that. I'm just going to, this is what I think they'll do, but if they do something else, I'm going to trust that they know what they're doing more than I It's really nice to have faith in your team's front office, isn't it? (laughs) It really, well, you know, just as well as anyone, you, does Winnipeg make a bad move these days? It's happened. It just, it doesn't happen. And I've been through, days where they couldn't make the right move if you if you had written if you had handed him handed him the, the, the instructions on how to do it so uh, it's been a it's been a roller coaster but lately it's been we're on the up part Absolutely. right now so i'll take that <laughs> yeah no more joe mack years right no not for a while <laughs> uh, the Tigers this this year only have the number six pick in the first three rounds that's their only pick among the first 27 so uh, Justin Dunk, in his first mock draft over on uh, CFL.ca, the official website, um, has the Ticats taking a defensive lineman 
while admitting that they're really stacked to the positions. So I think I think Justin might be spinning the roulette wheel on this one too. I kind of like this yeah. guy for the Thai Cats. I, I kind of like this guy, Jacob Taylor, who's a who's a hybrid DBLB. You know, so kind of like the Sam, like you were talking about. Um, Justin has him at number nine right now, but I kind of like him for the Thai Cats. That's another position the Cats are going to have to make a decision at two because they have both mm-hmm. Tunde Adelike and Stavros Katsantonis at safety, and they're both in the final year of their contracts. Adelike signed a, mm-hmm. a big extension a couple of years ago. Katsantonis is coming out to the end of his rookie contract, which means he's about to get a big payday. The team's probably going to have to decide which of those guys they want to keep. I don't think they can keep both because I, because I think Katsantonis is the best backup safety in the game right now. When he gets into games, he balls out. I was a thanks to JC. He turned me on to him the year he was drafted, showed me highlights, like gave me a scouting report on him. Once they, once they drafted him was like, because he went to UBC, which is the school that JC went to, he watched him very closely and said, this guy is a baller and he's been great special teams when he's had to play on defense. He's been fantastic since he's been here. He's going to get a big, a big contract next year to be someone starting safety. If it's Hamilton's, that means Tunde is likely somewhere else, unless they plan on shifting him to another position. I'm not necessarily sure they would, although Tunde is very versatile. He can play halfback. He can play Sam linebacker, and that would open up some racial possibilities. But if you're starting two Canadians like that, you're also paying two Canadians like that. And I think Tunde is one of the highest paid Canadian safeties might be the highest paid Canadian defensive back in the league. You can't, it's a salary cap league. You can't pay everyone. So there there's going to be a decision there, but if you lose one of them and you're going to start you, the other, you're going to need some backups there too. So getting that guy, if like the guy you mentioned, a, a kind of a, DB linebacker hybrid, which would be perfect for safety as well as Sam. You get a guy like that into the building a year early. Now you get some film on him. You get to see what he like, what he's like as a professional. You take a guy like that. Now you're ready for life after one of the other twos decide to leave. And that's what the Ticats have done really well. They have replenished the, the, the cupboard, so to speak, knowing that they're there, they've got guy. Okay. we got to bring this guy, but this guy, we're going to have to let walk. And they've done a good job of, of anticipating that in advance. So I could see them going, if, if that's the guy that they have rated highly, I could see them going with that in the first round. And then, like you said, it's, it's kind of a long wait until they pick again, but you know, you never know, maybe they trade someone for draft capital or, or they just sit back and wait because the team doesn't have a ton of of holes really they their special teams guys which is where most canadians play are, are, are pretty solid it's it's not a team that i think has uh, you don't look at them and go they have a glaring need for a canadian at x they have decent depth at receiver they have decent depth they're, they're going to play a canadian probably on the defensive line they got some decent yep. depth there they have they have they have, they, they, like I said, they need offensive line help because they, they, while they have depth, they don't have a lot of youth. And it's the same in the secondary. They have some depth there, but just they're going to have to make a decision on one of those two guys going forward. So those would be the two areas. I'm glad you brought it up because that was going to be my next point is the secondary would be the, the second area that I would actually look at for them to probably try to make one or two picks in the draft to get guys in early. Yeah, I was wondering about the secondary because I see that you lost uh, Jamal Roll and Fiante Evans, both to yep. the Alouettes. We, we thank you very much for those guys. Um, so, so yeah, after after last year, there was so much shuffling in the secondary. I feel like this is sort of like the jettisoning of the excess uh, from from that frenzy last offseason. Yeah, loading up on the secondary last year proved to not be entirely successful. That's not to say that Jamal Roll and Siante Evans and Cario Brooks, three guys that they let go from last year, aren't talented players. Cario Brooks is one of the best halfbacks in the league. Jamal Roll has played multiple positions in the secondary and is a is a yeah. very good cover man at corner. And Siante Evans can play Sam, can play halfback, can play corner. Like they they had to let some good players go. Yeah. And now you're going to see the secondary is going to be very thin. But when you make the investment that you made in the offensive and defensive lines by bringing in, bring Jared Davis back, bringing Joel Figueroa in, bringing in a guy like Casey Sales, that's going to, there's going to be sacrifices somewhere. So if there's one area of weakness on this team, it is their secondary. They they brought in JV and Elliott from Calgary. They still right. have uh they still have uh Tunde. They have they have Stavros, but it, it's a lot of wait and see in the secondary position. But we've seen how often do we see guys that whose names we didn't know in, in April, in July, all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's a future all-star. You know what I mean? So 
they, they still have some talent back there, but there's, there's still work to do. Joe, you got anything else? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we've been talking about the preseason and getting into the season, but as you mentioned before, Hamilton's hosting the gray cup again this year. And this time it'll be the normal festival as opposed to what happened a couple of years ago due to COVID. Mm. So there might be some people that usually are festival goers or haven't ever been to a Grey Cup. Maybe they're thinking about coming or on the fence about coming. Get, sell us a little bit. Sell us on. Uh, sell us on coming to your city and partaking in this wonderful experience. Do you like food? Because if you like food, <laughs> Hamilton is the place to be, especially around the area where the, the festival is going to take place. The convention center is kind of in the downtown core across the street from the mall but there you're steps away from james street and there are restaurants galore i was actually just down i went me and a friend of mine who i haven't seen in a while we went out for dinner and we went to a place called bread bar on on james just just south of uh just south of king and it's the first time i'd been there and it was phenomenal um there are little restaurants all across like and again i'm not I'm not getting paid by bread bar, but I'm just saying if you're in the area, it's, it's really close to where you'll be staying. Cause you're likely going to try to stay near where the festival is going to take place. It's a great place to go have a, have a bite to eat, but there's just, there's restaurants galore. I know a lot of people, I mean, the, the 2021 festival was decently attended and everyone that I spoke to that came, a lot of them were first time visitors to Hamilton. Cause there's never really been a reason to visit. like Hamilton's in the shadow of Toronto. If you're going to take a trip, if you're coming from BC or you're coming from Saskatchewan, you want to take a trip to, you know, the Eastern Canada, you're going to Toronto before there, there's way more stuff to do in Toronto. So you're going there or you're going all the way over to the East coast because it's absolutely gorgeous out there. Well, but so a lot of people came to Hamilton. It was kind of their first trip. And, and there's, there's always been this sort of stigma attached to Hamilton working class town, steel city, very Pittsburgh, like, you know what I mean? But it's changed a lot. A lot of people still have that view of what it was like in 1996, the last time the gray cup was here pre 2021. <laughs> and that's, and, but that's what people think. They, they were like, wow. oh, it's, 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 it's smokestacks and it's, it's lunch pail people. And those people still exist. And it's still a fabric of our city, but it's a much more vibrant city. There's, there's, it's got a, a beautiful arts community, um, but the restaurants, like, I, look, I, football fans like to eat. And the way I'm going to sell you on coming to the hammer is you're going to find some of the best restaurants. Cause a lot of people, a lot of great chefs from Toronto don't want to work in Toronto because they don't want to pay rent to rent a space in, in Toronto. You come to Hamilton, it's a little cheaper. There is just a wealth of places and anyone out there who's thinking of coming to listen to your show, hit me up. I'll give you some re- restaurant recommendations. There are dozens of them in the walking vicinity from where you're going to spend most of your time while you're here for those four or five days. So maybe that's not tourism Hamilton's pitch, but my pitch is come here and eat some really damn good food. Mm-hmm. There you go. So I, so I will be definitely reaching out to you later on to get some recommendations. Cause we oh, I'll, have I'll, our- ta- I'll take you myself. I'll meet up with you somewhere. We'll, we'll go on a food tour, buddy. I'm game. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we got our, already got a reservation set so well beyond the well the place to stay was the big thing so we're set there and now the rest of it will come that sounds good to me wow nice free season hasn't even started you've already got a great cup of it no you know, um, I've always, i mind <laughs> <laughs> super fan all right um okay josh well let's let you out of here with the obligatory uh, ender for this sort of podcast. Uh, let me ask you any way too early, way too outrageous predictions for CFL season 2023? An outrageous prediction? I, <laughs> I will give you it. If you want outrageous, I'll give mm-hmm. you outrageous. Bo Levi Mitchell wins most outstanding player. That to wow. me is. Here's my, th- here's my thing. As great as Zach Caleros has been the last two years, very deserving of MOP, he's not winning three in a row. So it's got to come from someone else. And let's be honest, this is mostly a quarterback award. Is Do you think Trevor Harris is going to do it? I don't. Taylor Cornelius, probably, if even if he takes the leap, he's still probably a year away from legitimate MOP conversation stuff. 
Same thing with Jake Mayer. Even if he proves to be the next in that great lineage of Calgary quarterbacks that dates back to Doug Flutie, um, or you could even maybe even say Danny Barrett if you wanted to, there's still going to be probably people who are hesitant to put him up top. Uh, Caleros, I think he's has taken not not necessarily taken himself out of the running, but for him to what he especially what he did last year, 37 touchdown passes, he's going to have to be he's going to probably have to throw 5,000 yards, 40 plus TDs to really take that and just like unless he's clearly once again the best in the league I one's even remotely close I think people will shy away from giving him a third in a row uh what's the other team out west oh BC I just don't think Vernon and Dane I think are gonna probably swap time a lot Vernon might get hurt Dane might get hurt I guess I think it takes him out of the running not a believer in Chad Kelly at least until he plays uh Mazzoli is kind of a dark horse for me but I'm always kind of you know in my heart cheering for Jeremiah Mazzoli because I really like the guy I'm not a big Cody Fajardo guy that leaves Bo and unless some receiver, like unless Geno Lewis goes for 2000 yards and, and Edmonton or someone like that steps up, it kind of feels like if Bo stays healthy and, get, and gets back to being Bo, it's going to be his to win. So that's my, my one kind of outrageous one, less outrageous. I think the Ticats win the East and I think they win the Grey cup. I think the drought ends. I think this it's, it's <laughs> if life is like a movie, this is how it was meant to end. 2021 was that was that moment in, you know, it's the moment in Rocky three when clubber Lang destroys Rocky. And you're just like, <laughs> there's no, he took his, like, and I mean, in 2021, the bombers didn't demolish the tie cats. It went, to, it went to overtime for crying out loud. If Jalen Ackman can make a catch, the drought's already broken, but it didn't happen. Clubber Lang beat down on Rocky. This is the year. Right, he Rocky took his woman. Back. <laughs> he comes back <laughs> and he, and, they slay. I don't know if they're going to beat Winnipeg because going to a four straight cup for the Bombers would be. It's been a hell of a run in Winnipeg. I just feel like there's got to be someone who's going to knock them off at some point. I know the Argos did in the Grey Cup, but Joe, I'm sorry, but in the Grey Cup, if you're going up against the Argos, you're just going to lose. You got to accept it. I've accepted it, and I hate the Argos. It's just it. <laughs> hey, I made a I made an awful lot of money betting on the Argos to win that game, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I just wow. think this is the year the Ticats the Ticats finally just get over the hump. We don't have to hear about 1999 anymore. You guys don't hear about 1990 anymore. You know, then then next year, Oz, you know, the Owls can win one and we're all one big happy family. We've all got our recent cups and everyone else can, you know, kiss our arse. The sooner that are the one are the team that had the longest drought, the better it will be for everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe except for, like maybe except for Ryder fans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they would not be happy, that was, but it, that where that was what they leaned on. Yeah. To, to always poke at Bomber fans was the drought, the drought, the drought. And to have it, that round in such a short time would be something interesting for sure. It would be kind of nice to see them get to 18, 19, because I think people forget, and I know that they get through, you know, you've won four cups, they get that thrown in their face, but it's like, they've had significant, they went from 66 to 89 and then 89 to 07 and then 07 to 13. And it's like, Oh man, we're a dynasty. It's like, you know, the, the louder of the louder mouth rider fans are like, Oh, we're, we're, we're never, we're never going, we're never going to not be on top. And then two years later, they're the worst team in football. Yeah. It would be kind of <laughs> nice if, if they were the, if they could get to that like 20 year mark. I mean, having felt it, you feel like oh, I don't wish that on anybody else, but I don't know the years that you hear in 1999, the years that you heard 1990, for you, I mean, if the Argo, I mean, the Argos just won, but if they were to go on some sort of 20 year championship list drought, well, the Ticats won two or three, it would, it would bring the earth back in balance, if you will. If the Ticats, well, I should say, when the Ticats break the drought. Oh, no, you can that, say if. Okay. I'm not sure I'm ever, I'm not, well, I'm no, honestly but, not sure if I'm ever going to see it. The second, the second part of my question depends on this. But I'm at going through this in my head. Correct me if I'm wrong. When the Ticats end the drought, that means the longest drought will be the Alouettes, won't it? Yep. Yeah. Jesus. Wow. Followed, That's very, not even that followed very closely by BC. BC 2011 right. would then be number right. two. So, right. and I know, I know in my head, because in my head, the 1990s were always 10 years ago. So right. Of course. That, Yep. The idea that 2010 is almost 15 yep. years in the past right. is like, I, I don't accept that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, no, I like tw- 
2008 is 15 years ago. There, yeah, oh, yeah. there are kids in high there are kids in high school who were born the year the Dark Knight came out and the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe started. No, nah, that that ain't right. That doesn't that doesn't compute with me. Uh, people who came out when you know, people who were born when Nevermind came out are like in their 30s now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, see, my theory on that is this. This is still the 90s. <laughs> plus the plus the internet plus the internet the internet's the only thing that's different i mean that's that true. When, when the internet came along it just put everything in plastic forever yep. and so it's going to be the 90s forever it's like the matrix it's like the matrix right it's the and 90s forever <laughs> all of my tastes came from the 90s so i'm okay with it still being the 90s i haven't moved on from the music i listen to the entertainment right. i consume the sports teams i cheer for none of it has changed so if you want to tell me it's always going to be 1998 i am perfectly okay with that obviously that means that means you're getting old because seinfeld has that joke he's like you can always tell what the best year of your father's life was because his clothes stayed in that year yep <laughs> i have i have not changed my style has not changed with the exception of the material my clothes are made of like i wear a lot of dry fit clothes now versus like the cotton polyester stuff we used to wear you know the mixed blend stuff we used to wear in the 90s other than that and the fact that i don't really wear jeans i just wear track pants most of the time my my i, I you could plant me back in middle school and i would look the exact same it's it's actually it's actually quite sad how little I've progressed as a human in 25 years. <laughs> I gotta say, that's a little sad. That's, a, that's not really. <laughs> it's a little sad. <laughs> it is. It is. But you need CFL season to start, John. I do. I do. I, only so many only so many old episodes of TV shows I can watch before I start <laughs> thinking that it's still 1996. <laughs> Okay. So myself. All right. Well, let's put a bow on it. That's Rouge White Blue CFL podcast for this week. Thanks to our guest of Josh Smith of Podski Wee. You can check that out wherever you get your podcasts. And for my co-host Joe Pritchard, I'm Oz Davis, and we're signing off. We'll uh talk to you soon before June. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, Josh. That was great. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs>